welcome to Masters of Divinity. I'm your moderator, JP. Uh, itching, just itching to spit some lyrical rhymes, but I've been denied. I've been denied, not by Father Chuck, who seemed <laughs> to have been on board. I was on board. I'm always on board. <laughs> Matt Wells did not seem too excited about it. You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> probably true it's probably right jp and i had a six-hour car ride and in the midst of that car ride he attempted some freestyle for probably about 45 minutes that was my freestyle phase that was the end of your freestyle career well i there there were a few times when i was helping i was helping uh chuck and i were helping keelan move and we were in the in the in the old budget van our friend our friend keelan uh and a get friend of the show who's he and I, Long time no see. Yeah. Hi, Keelan. Hi, Keelan. <laughs> I had some pre-downloaded uh, freestyle beats on my phone. You did. And I started playing them, and I was very uh, disappointed that Keelan couldn't freestyle with the, the musical genius that he is. Hey, I did know. a pretty pretty uh, amazing show-stopping freestyle about my Burger King Whopper, if I do say so myself. <laughs> it was epic one, and I, I did a pretty good one about uh, parking the car, finding a parking space. <laughs> so this is this is what we're going to do with our podcast. We're going to talk about the times you guys did freestyle raps when no one else was around. <laughs> we will never. Like, I could be. I could. I could just sit here and be like, "Oh yeah, there was this awesome time where I like oh, no. freestyle rap." Oh no! And, like, Full disclosure. It's just a teaser. Um, it was a freestyle about a whopper, and it was awful. But it rhymed, and that was incredible because uh, the fact that we could think of anything that rhymed uh, quickly was pretty amazing. Um, so a topper, chart topper, <laughs> show stopper, Cindy Lopper. <laughs> what is happening? He's testing my limits. Right oh, now. that's what's that's what's happening. <laughs> Gosh. Well, before we get this show started and we get to our topic, uh, we need to make an acknowledgement. Uh, today, August 29th, we have lost one of the greatest comedic legends of our time, Gene Wilder. Mm. He has passed away at the age of 83. Gene Wilder, as you know from, of course, most people know from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. No. Nope. Is it Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Yes, it's Factory. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Get those mixed up all the time because one of them is wrong. The novel was named Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The movie... It was called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The remake. And then was the remake Charlie was Charlie and the, the Chocolate, Chocolate Factory. Factory. That's okay. why you get confused. Or the, or, the, or the Tim Burton adaptation of the novel. Okay. okay. Which one is Gene Wilder's? Willy. Willy, Willy Wonka. Wonka and the okay. Chocolate Factory. Makes sense because he's kind of the star of the show. No, yes. Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Also, Young Frankenstein, one of the greatest movies ever it's made. Bla- yes, Frankenstein. Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. Also great. Wonderful quotes. You know, morons. I actually enjoy that movie way more than Young Frankenstein. I, I love. I mean, I, I love them both. Yeah, that's a great movie. I haven't seen it. We got to show it to you. You would love it. Anyway, we uh, will miss Gene Wilder, but um, fear not because he lived a very long life, uh, 83 years. Yeah. And he had he's he has left us tremendous work. And, um, you know, he was also suffering from Alzheimer's as well. Right. So um, he's in a better place. Yeah, I mean, you know, just speaking of this, Twitter, on Twitter and other places, of course, people are, you know, mourning in their own ways through social social media, which is still a, a strange phenomenon to me. But, you know, people, like, really, like, getting upset over it. And, like, I can understand being upset about, like, because somebody compared this to the loss of Bowie and Prince earlier in the year. And, like, I can understand getting, uh, being upset about Bowie and Prince because both of them were tragic 
you know, taken to, from us too soon kind of losses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that Gene Wilder's death is not tragic. It's like, but as you said, he's 83 years old. Oh, yeah. Um, you had a long life. I mean, when you get to be 83, you know, that's a good time. I mean, death in, in all of its forms is tragic, of course, but to act like it's, you know, to, I don't know, to act like an 83-year-old should be... It's definitely more cause to celebrate his life than to... Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. That's a good way of putting it. But, of course, and there's that thing that, that drives me nuts on Twitter, which is people blaming the year 2016 for death. Yeah, I know. It's weird, right? It's the weirdest thing to me. Yeah, it just means... it. You know, you're just you're getting older. It's not 2016. You're just we're getting old, and all the people that we grew up with are now dying. It's because yeah. we're older. I mean, so. I could I could offer a theological reflection on this, which I won't. Maybe that could be it for another time. <laughs> but about why we do these sorts of things. But um, but it but it is very. We don't do theology on Masters of Divinity. No, we never do theology <laughs> on the show. That's not the whole point to our podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, meme culture and stuff. So, like, now everyone dies. You get to hear the 2016 meme, which is wonderful, right? It just ruins everything. Yeah. And, like, it's like, yeah, it's like, darn you, 2016. Like, it's, uh, George R. R. Martin must be writing 2016. Yeah, it's like, it's a year, guys. Like, there's no will behind it. It's just a number. It's a series of numbers. It's an arbitrary number, in fact. It just means that within this cycle between, you know, Earth rotating the sun, this number of people died. And yep. that happens. <laughs> people die. Yeah. People die tragically all the time, in fact. But like I said, I, I could go on a whole tangent. But I'm not going to yeah. go on that tangent because I don't think right. that's what we want to talk about tonight. So, Well, what we are going to talk about tonight, we are in the most dreaded of seasons for anyone that's under the age of 18, hopefully. And that's the back-to-school season. Dun, dun, dun. Do you guys remember being in, in grade school, young teenager, maybe a preteen, and you're enjoying your summer watching TV or something? And then the J.C. Penny back to school sale commercial came on. Mm. Do you remember the gut wrenching feeling? That sinking. That you got despair. <laughs> I, for me, it was never the commercials. It was always like going into Target and seeing the back to school display. Oh, the backpacks and notebooks just ready to be plucked. Right, and there's like there's like a moment where you're kind of like, oh, this is gonna be okay. Like a moment, yeah. like you get a new, like for me, like getting a new notebook. You know, it's blank. It's sort of like, oh, there's possibility here. You know, and and then you're like, oh no, because then that means I have to I have to wake up, you know, before the sun rises, <laughs> and I have to go deal with all this nonsense. I, I'll yeah. never forget one year when we whenever whenever back to school comes around. I think of this one time I was sitting in like a church function, and my buddy Kyle comes and he sits down next to me, and Kyle says, "You know, next week is school, right?" And I was like, "What?" He's like, <laughs> was like, I think it started like my, my sophomore year of high school or something. I just had was not paying attention at all, and um, I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, it's like next week." So then I had to go through all the exercise of getting all my stuff. And then I remember, like, I look at my mom and I'm like, like, you know, is this really the deal? She's like, yeah, here, it's, it's school is coming back. And so I remember sitting, I climbed in the passenger seat of the car to go to school that morning, first day of school. And I looked at my mother and I just said, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But there was, that was probably the first year where there was not like, not, not even a touch of anticipation of wanting to be in school. Like, you know, yeah. for a lot of people, first day of school is like, all right. Like, yeah, I get to see friends. I was like, nah, I don't care. I don't, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> well, it, it's funny. I remember um, I actually had a ritual for going back to school that I committed to all throughout high school, all four years. And it was the night before going back to school. The night before the first day, I always watched Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Interesting. 
Yeah. Um, don't know why. I think I just caught it randomly on my freshman year, like the day before my freshman year. And like ever since then, I just, I watched it every day before school. Uh, it's a wonderful movie also. So it is, it is really, really good. Uh, I also remember my, they used to give that away with your pizza. Yeah, they sure did. Maybe that was why. Huh. I don't know. Maybe I ordered pizza or something. I don't know. Uh, I also remember my senior year, the day before school started, and it's weird that I remember this, but I called every single one of my friends, including Matt, just to be like, all right, we're doing it, guys. <laughs> the look on Matt's face is great. <laughs> I can't wait to hear the other side of that story. Like, I mean, every year, it was just dreading, right? But it was, it was the senior year, and I was like, all right, let's do it. We're going to get pumped. Senior year. The, I don't know if Matt remembers that phone call. He's probably like, oh, God, shut up, JP. <laughs> I, I never had a senior year of high school, so I don't know what that's about. Oh, okay. For the listeners of, of the Masters of Divinity, Father Charles, Father Chuck, has a or general equivalency diploma. My, I'm going to have to edit that out. I'm sorry. I don't want our young listeners to hear that and my, get ideas. My good enough degree. <laughs> I, and look at you now. I, I'm a high school dropout. I am a high school dropout. Yeah. And now I have a master's degree. And ironically, I'm a teacher. So stay in, stay in school, kids. You don't want to be a teacher. <laughs> Side story. I love actually. I love having a GED. Like it's one of my favorite things to talk about having one because um, the experience is very interesting to get one and the way they treat you because they treat you like crap when you're going through that process. I briefly flirted with the idea of attending Yale Divinity School when I was going through seminary or getting prepared for seminary. And the only reason I was interested in Yale, the only reason was so that I could put a Yale diploma in a frame next to my GED in my (laughs) office. But um, when I graduated seminary from Virginia Theological Seminary in Alexandria, Virginia, um, they asked all of us, they said, um, you know, what degrees, you know, when we had to fill out our name for like our, for the booklet to tell who was getting, you know, everyone's names, who was graduating and all that. Um, they were like, you know, put your name in any degrees conferred on you, you know, post, you know, any, any degrees conferred. So, you know, that means like, you know, some people have, might have like, a, you know, a master's from another program. Some people might have like a doctorate from something else, whatever. So, um, so I put, I wrote down the Reverend, the, the Reverend Deacon, cause I was a deacon at the time, the Reverend Deacon Charles Alex Browning, the second GED BA. I had this conversation at lunch a couple days later with the woman who was putting together the bulletins, and she says, um, Charles is um, – yeah, you put on your thing GED. Is that is that high school? And I'm like, <laughs> sort of. And she's like, like clearly very like embarrassed about this whole situation. She's like, well, yeah, normally we don't, we don't put that on there. <laughs> That's okay. But I was really kind of hoping that they would stick it on there because I think it'd been hilarious to have GED next to my name on my <laughs> master's degree, yeah, commencement ceremony bulletin. I mean, it's your degree. But... It's my degree. I earned that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I worked. I worked not very hard for that. <laughs> uh, stay in school, kids, or, or or not, whatever. Or or go to college early. That's what I did. I, I went to college. That's early. what I did too. I I did not drop out of high school. I went to college early, and that's what I did. Yeah. Matt, what's unique about you, Matt, is that you have a child that has started school this year. That's right. Mm -hmm. So you got to experience the back to school thing from a different perspective. Didn't Mm -hmm. you like chase the bus down or something? You like stock the bus? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, we we did. We did. Thank you. You stocked the bus. Uh Um, What'd you stock it with? Uh, Ah, Tomatoes? Ha ha ha. Ha ha. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, no, we uh, we found out that you can you can go to the class and like take pictures on the first day, but our <laughs> yeah. daughter wanted to ride the bus, so we followed it. To the <laughs> <laughs> so you you followed it, just taking pictures all the way over there, like? No, we actually lost them on the way. I'm not very good at stalking anybody, apparently. You know, it's we, yellow. We, it's a we, big we yellow thing. You see the strobe light on we, top of it. But we we beat them there. Well, that's good. So, so you took a better we route. We took a different turn, I, and then I beat them there. So. I'm su- I'm surprised that uh, Bella took the bus. She's she's very young. <laughs> I didn't start taking the bus until I was like a teenager. Mm-hmm. No, she loves the bus. Yeah. It's like she's thrilled about it. She loves getting on the bus. No, actually, the, the most interesting moment was the first day at the bus stop. And my wife, Heather, she bent down to say something to her, and she's like, Mommy, I know. And she turned to talk to her friend. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, it's already we've, started. We've lost her already. I, <laughs> I, am, I was fast. I am terrified of that moment with yeah. Charlie and Ford. Terrified mm-hmm. of that moment when they sort of reject me. Because mm-hmm. right now, like, they're the, they're, we're, we're the go-to people for them, my wife and I. And I don't no, I don't think I can emotionally handle that. I might have to take vacation on their first you day. Stop of being cool to your kids. But yeah, I, I, I was the I was the one of the ones that was always pretty excited about the first day. Yeah. Didn't always last even through the first day, but I was always pretty excited about the first day. I mean I had amazing friends to go see, like JP. That's <laughs> um, right. Because uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I got you pumped the day before, man. Yeah, day before we were excited. phone calls. Yeah. I, I don't <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember the phone. No. Now here's here's, here's did you, did you guys have did you guys have your like outfit? Did you have your like your, your we had a school? uniform? Oh, I, I had a uniform too. Did you did you like have something like special? Uh, it was a uniform. So they <laughs> dictated they dictated from the type of haircut we could this, have to the shoes this, we wore. I went to a, I went to a Baptist school group? too. I went to I went to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I, I so applied did, I applied so for a have, job at you guys. So we did, whole high school, so, by the way. So we did. So did I, and that turned out great. Um, here I am. I oh, can I just say this? Um, GED guy over here making a big joke about his uh, GED and being the school dropout. I graduated from school and I got a degree and I got a master's and I'm a stay-at-home dad. Somebody please hire me. Like, <laughs> um, if you're listening right now, I need a job. You can reach me through the podcast. No, well, but like, how did like, you have an outfit? I did day? have an outfit. What I did was um, when the first year I had a uniform. So my school, we, we did, we had a dress code and then we went to a uniform. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. when we had the uniform, like, I, you know, I was, I was punk rock skateboarder kid at the time. So um, I went to the journeys at the mall, and I bought a pair of Doc Martens that had flames stitched into the shoe because we had to wear leather like dress shoes. No, like, that we had was our... penny loafers. Oh, they're, they're, they're that specific. Yes, we had to wow. have penny loafers. That was the only thing they did not clearly specify. All they said is that we had to have like brown or black leather shoes. No, we had to have penny loafers. The only punk so I... rock thing I was able to pull off, and I did it for about three months, and then I got in trouble. My senior year, I'm not buying another stinking pair of penny loafers. I'll never wear these things in my life. And mine fell apart, so I completely re- remade one of them, my left foot, out of electrical tape. Nice. Um, I got away with it for a few months, and then I was told, you have to buy a new pair of shoes. Awesome. I put a rule in the rule book in my school. <laughs> I put a rule in my college, so I went. <laughs> We've already covered that. Please see our missions episode. Uh, I... Uh... Most punk rock thing I did with uniforms was my first year at this this Christian school where I met Matt. Um, we had a special chapel uniform that we had to wear. Just a just a long sleeve shirt that had like blue and white stripes. 
I still pretty, to this day can't wear a pinstripe button down. Just yeah. Carry on. And the place where I where you buy the uniforms, um, they somehow got the shirt wrong, and they made it a short sleeve shirt instead of a long sleeve shirt. I was the only person in the entire school that had a short sleeve chapel uniform. Nice. And like every single chapel day, I don't know, I don't remember what day it was, but every single day we had chapel, somebody always said something, you need to get that fixed. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'll get right on it. <laughs> was chapel on Thursdays? How do I forget that? That was 18 years, like 19 years of life. It was Thursdays. I was just pretending <laughs> I didn't know. Sorry. No, it was how many, how much school? 13 years. Thank you. I think mine was always Wednesdays. I graduated. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I, I did it for the, my entire first year there until they were like, no, if you don't get a long sleeve on, we won't let you back. Okay, cool. <laughs> my, my, um, my, my thing was always, I, I never wore a belt. Like, it was a requirement. This, this is the rule I put in the rule book. I'm going to tell the story because I want to. So first day of school, this is a, it's a back to school story. So first day of school, I brought a spare belt with me. And I put it in my locker because I got tired of getting in trouble for not wearing a belt at school. So I thought, I'll keep a spare belt in my locker so if I find out they're doing belt checks, I can run in. I can grab my belt, put it on, whatever. So I'm being proactive. I'm not trying to cause trouble. I'm actually trying to stay out of trouble. Mm. Well, <laughs> I don't have a problem with this until um, about springtime, after spring break or whatever. And I had grown. It was high school. So I had like, you know, I, I had a little bit of a growth spurt. So I go to put my spare belt on. It does not fit at all. Like, there's no way I'm making this thing fit. So I decide to drape it around my neck and wear it like a necklace. <laughs> so I go through the entire day with this belt around my neck, on my necklace. Because my, 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 I'm already prepared. If somebody says something to me, I'm going to say, I'm wearing a belt. The rules. I was also the kind of the kid who read the rule book every year from cover to cover. <laughs> um, so I, 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 so I knew at this point I said, I, the, the, this is going to be my thing. I'm wearing the belt. There's nothing in the rule book that says it has. It can't to be worn around your neck. It, yeah. So yeah. It, I go through most of the day, no problem, until I get into um, my history class. My history teacher kind of had it out for me, and so he um, during um, he has all the boys stand up, and um, for belt checks, and he goes. Uh, Mr. Browning, is that belt on your neck supposed to be on your waist or whatever? And I said, well, I mean, I have a, I have a belt on. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's my belt. It's the only belt I got. And he clicks his pen because he's like, well, you're going to have to get yourself a detention. And he starts <laughs> to fill out my detention. I said, hold on there. You can't do that. He's like, and why not? I said, because there is nothing in the rule book that specifies that a belt has to be worn around the waist. It only says it has to be worn. There's a pause. Like, and we have this, like, stare-down moment. And I can see the gears working. And then he clicks the pin. And I don't get a detention because he knows I'm right. And there's nothing he can do about it. I would have just given you the detention. <laughs> so. I would have given it to you for mouthing off. <laughs> so, next year, first day of school, we get the rule book. Me and my buddy Eric, we sit down and we flip through the, the rule book cover to cover. And sure enough, there's an addendum to the dress code. <laughs> that says a belt must be worn, and then it says in bold and with italics around the waist. <laughs> <laughs> nice, good going, Chuck. Yep, I was very proud of myself for that. <laughs> very proud of myself. My mother, who listens to every one of these episodes, by the way, she was also, I'm sure, very proud of me. <laughs> I'm, I, wow. I, I'm sorry, mom, if you got a phone call that day. <laughs> well then, so we're back to school. Matt gets experience as a dad. Chuck, you get to experience it as a teacher. Uh, what's that been like? We have all kinds of stuff, and um, 
It's, uh, it's, it's interesting seeing it from the other side. But I will tell you what's awesome. Faculty lounge. Being <laughs> That's able where to, the magic happens, guys. Being able to hang out in that faculty lounge. I've always wanted to. <laughs> oh, man. Go, to go behind that door, it's awesome. <laughs> Coffee, candy. I always imagined a full bar. You know, like, I, be, <laughs> I bet if I dig around the cabinets, I might find something. I might. But no, it's, it's – um, being a teacher, it's a whole different thing because it really is – and I, I know I'm risking giving this away to any students who might be hearing this. But it's kind of a day we dread too. Yeah. You know, because summer break ends for us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do know that the, the, the one demographic that I understand largely enjoys back to school are parents. <laughs> because after a while it becomes like, oh gosh, the kids are gone. Right. Like I can do things during the day. But as teachers, it's sort of like, yeah, we're we're kind of dreading it too sometimes. Yeah. But interesting. Yeah. But it's well, it's it's interesting. Yeah. It, you it. know, for me, I think why at least now. I mean, I don't. It's it's weird. Like I I actually I mean I mentioned on social media that like I whenever I see commercials, it like still kind of makes me bummed out a little bit. You know, I'm not going to school and what's no, no shape or form. Um, but at the same time, it was also sort of an indicator that Halloween is just around the corner. That's my favorite holiday. Oh, that's right. And you know what? I'm sure we're going to do a Halloween episode. Oh, uh, <laughs> we're going to do many. many. <laughs> I think we should just devote the entire month of October of just doing like Halloweenish episodes. I'm on, I'm on board with that, actually. We could talk about oh, – I've got ideas. I won't, I won't spoil anything right now. <laughs> Uh, so you were talking about back to school we also wanted to talk about like, uh, summer. Yeah. Uh, our summer experiences before, well, while we were, you know, youngins. One of the things you do when you break. go back to school is what I did with my summer vacation. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. What'd you do this summer? Yeah, yeah. Matt, what, Matt, what did you do with your summer vacation? Oh, you started with me. Yeah. I always start with Chuck. I'm starting with you this time. I'm mixing it up. We spent a lot of time at Disney. <laughs> yes, you did. You spent a lot of time at Disney World, sir. <laughs> I was thinking maybe you had moved there. Yeah, we. I, I would move to the cabins at Fort Wilderness. I'd move to Disney. I'd move there. Yeah, I'd live there in a heartbeat. Maybe we should get like a nice big house in celebration. We can share it all as one happy family. Celebration, Done. scary town. We're moving. Like, Whatever, tomorrow. it's Disney's town, and they have an interdenominational chapel. So like. Like I could do the Episcopal services, you could do like the like the non-denominational services. Awesome, this would be great. There, there was a Baptist Darn. church. There was a Baptist church that used to meet in there, in the, at the movie theater there, and I used to go there every week with my parents. It was weird. It was weird. But go ahead, Matt. About Your summer vacation, mostly at Disney. No, that's going to be a reality. That would be awesome. Yeah, actually, I would do it in a heartbeat. We've, we've changed everything. We live at Disney. Um, what did I do with my summer vacation? Um, lots of Disney, lots of preparing for my daughter to go to school for the first time, like for real on a bus leaves at like seven thirty in the morning, gets back at like three forty in the afternoon. Lots of that good stuff. What mm-hmm. else did I do? I don't even know. I don't even know. Uh, I think summer. you, you, I mean, you interviewed Rob Bell. We interviewed Rob Fan Bell. <laughs> we, we began this amazing <laughs> podcast journey. That was this summer. No, we, we, we did that. And that was in the spring. Was it in spring? Yeah. It was in spring. Yeah, it's spring. Who cares anyway? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, we talked to Rob Bell. We went to Dallas, the Fan Expo Dallas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, you guys did, didn't you? We world traveled. We mm-hmm. made fun of Chuck because he didn't get to go to Fan Expo <laughs> Dallas. Um, Chuck, your vi- their video, your video is still like one of my favorite things. Though, by the way, it's yeah, it's it is. 
It's hilarious. If you go to our Facebook page, look for our (laughs) Fan Expo Dallas live videos, and then look for Chuck's response. (laughs) A minute solid of kids screaming. It was great. (laughs) While you stared dead into the camera, just dead stare. No no emotion. I think he shot that while we were waiting for George Decay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're just, we're hanging out with George. Um... (laughs) Yeah, we laugh. We got a good laugh at your expense. Um, that is for sure. JP lived at my house for like two weeks. That was pretty awesome. Um, that was interesting. It was. Yeah. <laughs> he he was zero help when I like sliced my thumb open and uh, blood gross. everywhere. I um, mean, I'm glad you're okay, but gross. I just I just recounted that story to some people last night who came over. Yeah, they came over to our house to watch a movie, and I was telling them how. Um, they, how you were just sitting there staring at me like uh, you were going to pass out. <laughs> and then refused to acknowledge that I existed, except for this occasional, like, do, do I need to take you to the hospital? I didn't. <laughs> At least I threw it out there. Do I need to take you to the hospital while you're staring at the floor? I'm, it's like, I'm, up, I'm up here, JP. He's like, we also, while we were in Dallas, we got to experience the Alamo Draft House. Which was uh, amazing. magical. It was magical. Yeah, we need one of those here. Well, Chuck, what was your? How was your summer vacation? What well, did you do? I went to Disney as well, if you recall. That's how I opened my summer, um, and it happened to coincide with the Pulse nightclub shooting. So that happened. And the oh, alligator. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, with much tragedy, I did. A, I did. A, I did a fair amount of of um, sleeping in a little bit, taking it easy. Um, but the probably the other big thing that I did was um, I moved to my new house. Right. Um, so those are really the two. That's like the bookend of my summers. I went to Disney and then I moved. Um, so the moral of the story is when you get old, summers are boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, I played, yeah, I played a lot of Zelda. Played a lot of Zelda. Did that. <laughs> well, on my summer vacation, I became a farmer. Uh, I saw the photos of your tomatoes. They look lovely. It was a giant tomato. Well, those actually aren't our tomatoes. See, no, we have... sh- no, the listeners don't know this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I need to be honest. So though. for his summer, he abandoned us. Carry oh, on. stop. Carry on. Go ahead. And abandon you, big babies. He came, he came back to visit, and then he left again. Yep. He came very close to kidnapping me. I remember that. Yeah, for So for JP summer, he did a lot of um, leaving us behind. Yep, yep he did. He, he did it twice. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cats in the cradle, guys. <laughs> <laughs> did you go to youth camp? Did I go to youth camp this year? Did you go to youth camp? I never went to youth camp. I mean, I think I did. I don't know. I, when, you know, when I was very young, eight or nine, I did go to this camp called Sky Ranch in Texas. And I guess it was a Christian camp, but I don't remember doing anything particularly church-related. I just remember jumping on the blob and um, peeing myself one day. <laughs> um, it's a very embarrassing story. I really had to go, and I was in my swimsuit, so I was like, I, I bet if I just went, like no one would even notice. And I did, and everybody noticed. Nice. It was traumatizing. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, because... The weird Most thing to people me is, don't stand fully dry and pee themselves in their swimsuit and try and I wasn't. Yeah. I know that now. But it's it crazy. Two years ago. It's, <laughs> it's crazy, though, like, hearing, like, as Matt said, because it's true. When you get older, summer does get a little boring. Like, I think about, like, when I was a kid, I was, like, my summer was super involved. And, like, as a priest in, in a church now, what's crazy is how, like, my bishop, make, he has a really good joke that I got a lot of traction off of this summer, which is that, um... Episcopalians are the only Christians that God trusts enough to take the summer off. 
I think it's pretty <laughs> funny. But it's kind of true because I remember growing up, like as a, as a teenager, summer was when everything went into high gear. It was like, that's when all the youth stuff was happening. During the school year, we didn't do as much. I mean, we had youth group on like Wednesday night or whatever. But like summer was when you had like, we had a choir trip. We had, we had youth camp. We had... Um, we had messy Olympics at our church. I don't know what that is. <laughs> just it's what it sounds like. Olympic-type games, but all just making it horrible. So kind of like, kind of like, like, it's like double dare? Mm-hmm. Basically. Okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Carry on. But, yeah, so like, but then there was like all kinds of like day trips and little things that went on. Like, you know, there's all kinds of activities that happened. Like vacation Bible school volunteering, like all that kind of stuff that went on. Well, it's because the, the church has full access to you now. You don't have to have that pesky school in the way. So it's like you get to do all this stuff. You have like tons of events and lock-ins and We don't have treats. to compete with science. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Whoa. That could be one. It's really funny because, I, you know, I, I wasn't that active over the summers um, and maybe until I, I became friends with Matt because I kind of I piggybacked on his youth group uh, every now and then. And I remember the summers being like, hey, and I'm going my to. My life. <laughs> and I remember Matt just being like, hey, I'm going to lock in. We're going like, um, I don't know what a lock in is, but let's do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we did lock in. I never, I never, I never stayed awake for the entire lock in. Yeah. Yeah. I always found a place to go to sleep because. But, but, but tell me, guys, tell me about, about, about youth camp. I had, I did go to summer camp when I was a kid, but they weren't church camps. Like, I went to a military camp and that was actually epic and awesome. Um, I went to space camp once. I did too. Space camp. High five. That's right. You, me, and my wife. Pow. Yeah, we Woo-hoo. all went to we all went Nerd. to space camp. Nerds unite! You don't like science or something, Matt? Is that what's the space camp people would be the two high fiving over Skype? <laughs> right. What's What's even funny? What to me was really funny about this story is I was I was a homesick wreck the entire time as at space camp. Oh my gosh, so. Chuck, so was I. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I kind of wish my wife was here to talk about space camp because she's she has a very different experience of space camp than you and I did, JP. Yeah, because she was like amped about being. I mean, I was amped to be there, but she was like, she was actually kind of upset, like like for like a day that she didn't get to be like the ground control commander. <laughs> I got to be that, by the way. It was awesome. I, well, I, but I think they did I because watched, I cried all the time. I watched the movie Space Camp. Does that count? It's a good movie, man. Does that count? I've actually never seen it. Tell me about youth camp, guys. Um, what goes on at youth camp? I don't. I don't know what Matt's experience is like. Revival. Revival. I mean, mine was yeah. What's revival. a revival? Well, okay, so. I don't know. Youth camp? <laughs> so my, my <laughs> use circular reasoning. <laughs> yeah, it was – so if I recall – so I every year, me and Keelan, who, again, fan, friend of the show, who's um, who's been on a few times. Hi, Keelan. Um, we would go to something called Power Charge. Okay. Power Charge. It used to – they used to have it at the campus of the University of North Florida in Jacksonville, and then they moved it to the convention center in Valdosta, Georgia. Um, and Power Charge was um, – it was like you'd get up in the morning and you would go to sort of like a worship service kind of thing. It was a lot of preaching and music. That's really mm-hmm. what it came down to, a lot of preaching and music. Okay. Um, and listening to people tell you if, – if it all – if it all if I distilled it all down into one thing that I heard over and over and over again, it was um, don't have sex and don't do drugs. Okay. Mostly don't have sex, but there were lots of people who would tell a bunch of stories about all the sex and drugs that they had had and how like it ruined their lives. And like, uh, you know, I, I, stories about like a girl who smoked one joint and it caused her brain to explode. A lot of scary stuff like that to kind of scare you away from these things. Uh, the story I heard is a girl smoked a joint. It was laced with LSD and she thought spiders were crawling out of her eyes. So she clawed out her eyes. Yes, that was at our school. 
Oh. Oh, okay. No, the, Maybe no, that's... The, no, the story told was at our school. Was it oh. Ken, Ken Freeman? Is that the guy's name? I don't remember if it was him or not. I mean, I've heard all of it. But yeah, so we had a lot of people, like a lot of pastors getting up, like different evangelists and other people from around the country get, and they would give like their testimonies. And um, it was like, and then there was one guy. How they always end? Oh, sorry. Finish what you But there was one guy who, who, who always got up and he, and, and he made lots of homophobic jokes, (laughs) um, which at the time was like, that was like all the rage. Lots of homophobic jokes though. Like really a lot of misogyny and homophobia. That's, that's mm. really what I remember probably the most from it. Like I didn't have the language for it at that time, but of course, you know, at being deeply into that world, it was, um, you know, it was powerful and emotional and everything culminated every year with this thing called prayer chair. And, um, it was the last night of camp where you would go into a room with a bunch of other youth groups and they would have a couple of chairs in the room. They play some soft music and you were encouraged to sit in the chair. Before was... the music stopped. <laughs> not no. musical chairs. Not musical chairs, no. <laughs> Prayer chair. You sat in the right. chair and when you sat in the chair, everyone was supposed to lay hands on you and pray for you. And it was always right. this very like emotional, heavy thing. And was, the expectation was that like really bad teenagers would be confessing their sins and like making their life right with God. And then the next morning there would be like this big like, you know, if you sat in the chair last night, you know, you should rededicate your life to, you know, to ministry or whatever. And they invite you to come forward, make this big show of it. It was like super emotional. I never looked forward to it because everyone cried. I always cried. There was a lot of guilt, a lot of, it was just, it was, it was very weird, but it was like one of these things that you would, you know, you would like talk about, like, I'm not going to, you know, like, I'm not going to be tempted by girls this year. I'm going to try to watch better movies and then I'll listen to only Christian music and burn all my CDs, do all this kind of like stuff. And then it was, you know, be really entrenched in the Christian culture. And then you go back to school and like two weeks into school, like all of it had just gone out the window and you feel like super guilty for not like having stuck to your commitments. And you kind of go back and forth throughout the school year until summer came along. And then you go back to camp again. And it would happen all over again. And you'd have you'd sit in the prayer chair and you'd go for it and you'd read it to dedicate your life to God. And then the cycle would continue and continue and continue and continue. Matt, is this your experience as well? For me, I went to teen leadership conference. Hmm. And it used to be like a two-week trip. We'd go up and drive in a van full of crazy kids and stop somewhere on the way and spend a few days like um like the best memories i remember was north carolina our youth pastor at the time his parents house in north carolina so we'd stay there a few days and then move uh over to the college for the week long camp and uh come back after that usually a a trip that took us several days to get there took uh, less than a day to get back. I think the leaders were ready to get rid of us. Um, they'd drive through the night and get us home. Um, but very similar as far as how it was run. Uh, you'd wake up, it'd be in like worship service with music and preaching, and then you'd have like a short break, and then you'd have another service, yeah. and then you'd have lunch, and then you'd have workshops, and then you'd have another service. I would say that I have to admit that mine was a more positive experience as far as the content being taught. Um, It always seemed to be more just about um, encouraging young adults to be better people. Um, And it was from the Christian point of view, but it was really about, you know, just living by the kind of stuff that we stand for. So the, the things like you say tend for me to be more what happened like when the counselors would be talking, when you'd meet with your groups at the end of each day and go over the day and the counselor who is like the college age kids who's trying to 
um, not to judge them, but they're trying to show how they're, you know, working toward the right thing. Right, right. And they tell their stories of their struggles and how they're getting through them. Um, and it always ended for us with a giant bonfire the last night. Oh, yeah, we never had a bonfire. Which is a very similar experience, worship music, and then a chance for people to come up and share whatever they want. Um, yeah. And people to cheer and scream and yell and pray. And then the next week, people to get up and share um, whatever they want, which was always pretty much the same thing they shared the year before. <laughs> I will admit I never got up, not because I wasn't caught up in the emotion, but I was too self-conscious to stand up in front of people at the time. Which is funny, because if you know me now, I'm all about, like, if we're going to be in front of a crowd, I might as well be the one talking on stage. Um, well, you have a but, podcast now, so... Yeah. Now I just talk to this microphone in a room with <laughs> Father Chuck, and I think about the hundreds of people listening. Yes, feed my ego. But yeah, no, but it was... I would say that overall camp was always a positive experience for me but looking back i see flaws in some of the some of the ways in which it was presented and carried out but at least the one that i was i always went to over the summer um the program itself i always was a big fan of actually i mean i you know i i, I mean I, I the comments i make I, I shouldn't make it sound like it was entirely negative well i, I mean, don't think it was enti- i didn't take it that way I'm yeah just... and i had this thought earlier this week actually um sometimes i really miss the earnestness that it drew out of me there are times where i felt I mean, it was probably more of an emotional connection with God than anything else. But like, I always felt like you know there was a, there was a connection there that I I miss sometimes. It was so much more simple. Where right. my faith was really more just if I read the Bible every day, I felt really good. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was just very simple in that regard. And sometimes I miss that. I miss that simplicity. I mean, it, it's it's you know, it's being a teenager. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, true. It, kind of playing with the teen emotions and whatnot getting caught up in that kind of stuff well and it but Um, it also but it also kind of plays back to um our previous episode when i was talking about emotions and how we tend to separate those from our spiritual life and see them as negative like it was oh the campfire caused an emotional experience so that's all it was um but i think it's more that when you grow up you start to separate the two and feel as though if I allow my emotions to get involved, then I'm not rationally living out my faith and I'm not actually believing what I'm saying because yeah. I'm just caught up in emotion. So we get so caught up in the the thought process that we kind of cut ourselves off from just being able to feel it. And I think we were given emotion for that reason. It's supposed to be felt. It's what, when you go to a concert and you're in a room full of, or a stadium full of thousands of people listening to a band, and they start playing that one, the the one slow song, and uh, like I think for me, I instantly start thinking of Paul McCartney. I went to a Paul McCartney song concert, and he starts playing the one song that everybody just you hear the quiet singing along, and in that moment, it's like everybody's sharing the same experience, mm-hmm. and there's an emotional aspect to it, but there's also like this unity that's drawn from that, which I think is what the campfire for me or the the chair for you. What it did for teenagers is show that um, when the emotion was allowed to be felt, everybody was basically placed on the same level for that mm-hmm. that short amount of time. Like, um, I don't have to be afraid to get up and share because I'm I might accidentally cry. It's like no, everybody in the room's already bawling their eyes out because they're caught up in the emotion of the moment. So I think allowing ourselves to 
to experience that actually can be a very useful and freeing and unifying experience if we allowed emotion to be more of it. But also um, knowing, unlike the teenage side of me, that would allow the emotional experience and then at the end of it be like, that was fun, and move back to yeah. um, the ride home and goofing off in the van and causing problems and all that good stuff. It's balancing the two. The, so my moment, I'll, I'll just talk about for me when, when things changed for me. As I remember the, the last time I went to Power Charge, they were doing this, they were doing, toward the end, they were doing the whole like recommitment thing. You know, they want you to come forward and recommit your life to God and this whole thing and, you know, try to do better. And I, it's something I'd done every year. Every year I'd gone forward, you know, and it was, it was clearly, you know, leading. It was like, if I'm a good youth group person, this is what I ought to be doing. And so I, there's a lot of times when I did it. And I remember like, I felt the urge to go forward. And this was in the midst of some pretty heavy spiritual stuff for me. I remember hearing that still small voice, you know, that we hear about in scripture. Um, there was that still small voice that said, you don't need to go forward. Because if you meant it last year, then it, that it, you, it, you mean it now. You know, it's like why don't you take the commitment you made last year? What you want is the emotional fulfillment mm-hmm. of going forward. You don't actually want what the what, what this commitment represents. You want to feel the good feelings of people acknowledging you going forward, of all of that. So if you meant it, you don't need to go forward. And so I didn't that year. Um, that last time. And, um, and that's been a huge thing for my, for my spiritual development is realizing like, if you're going to make a commitment, you stick to it and you follow through. And that's been a big part of my life with God is recognizing if I've said something to God, then I'm just going to follow through with that and not, you know, not try to make a big show out of it or try to get some, you know, just say, you know, I mean, like Jesus says, let your yes be yes, your no be no, just do it, you know? And so that was a big, that was a big thing for me and in my maturity around these things, um, if we can call it maturity, but yeah, I mean, there were good things with it, but that was, that was a huge, that was a huge change for me around all of it is is when I started to realize how much of it was somewhat emotionally manipulative. And, and, and I use that and I don't mean that willfully, like, I don't want to say that they were willfully, I mean, maybe to some degree there was, but I don't want to say there was a willful emotional manipulation. I think that it was just part of a culture that confused emotional mm-hmm. intensity with true spiritual experience. Like, mm-hmm. how many times did you guys go to these? I probably went, like, 8th grade, ninth grade. I mean, I did probably six times, seven times. Okay. No, and I'm probably about the same because I went – teen leadership conference was for high school and above – or just high school. But the last couple years, I went as a leader yeah. because I was doing, like, a – kind of an internship role at my church. So I went a few times in the, the leader. And the reason why I ask that question is because, you know, this, these, this is a revival. They keep asking you to commit to something. Um, my question is, I mean, they keep asking people to, to come up and recommit themselves and come up to the, um, the altar or whatever. Not always, maybe not like this. It was like the same thing as an altar call, basically. Yeah, it was. It was an altar call. Yeah, absolutely. So, my, my my question is why why do they keep asking you to come back? And that's why I feel I like mean, do you want my cynical answer? Sure. I mean they charge a lot of money. Okay. What's that? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> um and I but I think at the heart of it they really they really do think that they are offering something transformative for teenagers. And that the hope would be that teenagers would make I mean, for crying out loud, like I you know, as as much as I make fun of it, 
at times. I mean, it was, it was obviously very successful in my case. I mean, I'm a pastor, you know, and I, and I would, I would, and I would look back and say all of these experiences were major parts of what got me to this point. So even if it's, even, even if it's in reaction to it, it still influenced me. So I would say that there's, it comes from a good place, but a slightly cynical answer is there's there's lots of money involved. And I would say along the same lines, I mean, I graduated seminary and I would gladly be a pastor. So if you're looking for one again, contact me. (laughs) (laughs) Any pulpit committees listening to any search search committees out there, um, I'm your man. It's just that I kind of feel like I've had a taste of it, and it's because when I was at that Christian school... Before you... I'm curious if you're getting ready to say the same thing. Do you remember when we went to Camp Sparta for the That's retreat? what I'm talking about, the retreats. I thought so. Whatever. I thought so. Yeah. yeah, I was curious. And that was sort of the same thing. It was like mm-hmm. a, re, a re, not I mean, kind of a revival, but not... I don't know. I don't know what they would refer to it, but it was... We had these retreats, and was it one... Is it just in the fall, or do they have one in the spring? We just didn't go to the ones in the spring, or is it just like it was, one, just, it was once a year? I don't remember when, but once a year. Yeah, so once a year, it was for it's like over a weekend. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like a couple weeks or six weeks or whatever. It was over like the span of a weekend, and and we were on this retreat, and it was usually to a a place where they had like a summer camp, and it was exactly like what you're what you're saying it was, Chuck. Yeah, and it was just a, an emotional experience. It never changed me. Um, it never added anything. It was just like just one great weekend with my one great intimate weekend with uh, with you know what I believe and with my friends and my teachers and and goat. We stuff. we let the goat go in the dorm once. That was, that was good. That was before me, but <laughs> that wasn't when you weren't there for that. No, I oh, was that not. was Matt's one big rebellious thing. I helped. Uh, we stayed at some camp that for some reason had a goat in the pen on the property. And um, I broke it out in the middle of the night, and we released it in the other class's room, dorm room. And the, <laughs> their homeroom teacher woke up. Mr. Remchuk woke up with a goat standing on his chest. That's funny. <laughs> That's really funny. I, I do remember buying, uh, I guess they had, they had like a snack bar or something, and I bought like yeah. an IBC root beer, and everyone thought I was drinking beer, like just walking around with a beer. That's yeah, funny. Because I snuck that in. On yeah. thing. Now, I actually remember, though, I'm, I'm curious, I'm interest that you brought up the reason jp is asking is i actually remember we stayed at different places it was only one time that it was camp sparta and the reason i I remember that is that's the church that's the summer camp that my church always went to Mm -hmm. like teen leadership conference is the one i went to i never went to the whole summer camp every year Mm -hmm. because i was the homesick kid but that was at camp sparta when i was growing up until you were in high school then you went to teen leadership conference but our school went there once and that's actually one of the big experiences of my of my life was that retreat because they they did communion the one night do you remember that do you remember mr arterburn and mr wright and they did the uh communion service you don't remember that, at all? Was that, it the, that was the first um, year i don't remember i don't remember the specific year was it the, was, was, actually... the, was it the survivor themed year or was it the, the, the <laughs> no, next let's not, let's not let's not talk about the themes let's <laughs> Don't bring up themes. They, they kept playing the Survivor theme every time. Downplay. Uh, that just everything we said was undermined now if he started uh, talking about the themes the of the theme. Survivor was, was big then. Power, charge, big Power charge never had a theme. Team Leadership <laughs> Conference didn't either. TLC, Team Leadership Conference. We always call but, it TLC, and that was the theme. Oh, they got they all have the acronym, don't they? Yeah. They all have the acronym, sorry. But I, I don't think the next year had a theme, but I do remember – I, I do distinctly distinct remember two different retreats, but yeah, I don't, I don't know – 
what communion you're talking about that I, I, maybe i know it's very vague yeah, somewhere i still have they had the little the communion cups were made out of um olive trees hmm. from israel they had them shipped in for us for the thing yeah. i still have mine somewhere i don't know that was a that one stuck with me of all the the camps and retreats we're talking about that one was a was an interesting one can we can we talk about can we talk about the one thing about these camps that is legit universal experience that I'm sure all of our listeners will know about? That youth group crush? The youth group crush? Oh, no, sorry, sorry. the youth camp crush. Mm-hmm. Not just the youth group, but the youth camp I crush. Actually, Anybody have that? I never had the youth camp crush. Oh, come on. That is, that's like a I universal can't... experience. Like, you meet a girl from... You meet a girl from another youth group, and like that whole week, you pine over, and you are con- convinced that she is the love of your life. She's God's will for your life, and if you're like, <laughs> if you're like legit, like in like a self confident young man, you will you will spend your time pursuing that and trying to make that happen. Or if you're Father Chuck when he was in high school, that was um, standing at a distance and wishing that she would just notice you, and getting angry when your friends actually make the moves. Um, and then getting jealous and upset. Yeah, no, I never had that. Mm, no? I feel no. sorry for that girl. Yeah. But yeah, no, I never had that. Never. <laughs> really? Oh, man. Because that, that, I feel like that's like a, uni- I feel like it's a universal, like, youth group, like, youth camp thing. Well, it's a universal camp thing, too. I Where's mean, Keelan? Just, if Keelan put, were here, he'd know what I'm talking about. You just put a bunch of teenagers out in the wilderness and, you know. Well, we were, I mean, we were, at, we were on a college campus, not in the middle of the universe, in the wilderness, but. TLC well, is a college campus, too. But yeah, like, and then, and then of course, Fine, like, whatever. but in the midst of all this, you feel guilty about it because you're being told, you know, to like try to, you know, control your desires around the opposite sex. And okay. All I, I, I have a question. I, I have a question. This may be deviating go. a little bit, but I have a legitimate but, question. But have I you did. guys, did you guys ever have like a legitimate summer camp experience? Like real yes. summer camp? That's like what, That's what I was getting ready to say. Yes. I did. What, like dirty dancing? Camp Sparta that I was talking about. I did go camp to that Hanawana? one year. Yeah. Um, I did go Excellent. to that one year out in the middle of nowhere, you know, camp cabins middle yeah. of nowhere i did that one year um the reason i was able to to stay is because that was the year my mom was a camp nurse so she was on the property you guys um, ever you guys I, ever jumped on the blob or anything like that they, or? they had the blob but i'm i'm afraid i don't of know what the blob we is covered, we covered oh, my Chuck. fear we, we covered my fear of water remember right oh, yeah. <laughs> so we had we had something when i was like in like the, the 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 elementary and junior high school camp was called summit camp summit and it was legit camp like with the cabins like multiple bunk beds like horseback riding canoeing yeah. out in the woods yeah I got, yeah, that year, that. I got a sweet. Okay, first of all, I got a sweet vest. I'm just gonna comment real quick. I got a sweet vest. I wore that vest every single day. I had my outfit. That vest was involved with it every day. I had the pockets. It was like an outdoorsman vest. Sweet. But you give yourself my away. LA gear pumps. Awesome. But no matter what, it wasn't a true camp experience because you just got finished saying, "What is the blob?" I don't know what the blob is. Okay. So <laughs> you don't know what the blob camp. is? I mean, it I know is, the movie, the blob. It is a gigantic. The X Men villain. It's a gigantic floating, like just, just a an enormous raft, raft really. Just a nine, like gigantic raft with the taller the tower, the better. And one person sits at the end of it, and the other person jumps off the tower onto the one and launches like... them 900 feet up into the air. <laughs> while the person who jumped onto it usually winds up going backwards, um, if you're lucky, into the dock, which causes everybody to crack up laughing. That's um, kind of awesome. No, I never did yeah. the blob. No, that's the blob. So, yeah, so. Never did the blob. We, no, but I did. We, I did. You got to try the blob together. I did Camp Sparta, which had the blob, but it went out into a black water lake, which if you live in Florida. Brain um, amoeba. I was not the dumb one because I stayed off of it, especially not at Camp Sparta, which is known for pulling 
um, alligators out of the lake consistently. And then I also went to the, the Word of Life camp once, which was, again, cabins, middle of nowhere. But that was the year... It's a Word of Life camp, but it's also a competition during the week of camp. Like, churches go there to compete for, it's like Talents for Christ or something. But I won a college scholarship for my uh, puppet show. Just saying. In your face. (laughs) Puppets. Puppets. I was on the puppet team. You're all laughing. I remember that. You're all laughing. I won 500 bucks. So laugh at that. That... I don't know what's more what's more embarrassing evangelical that you were on puppets or if you had a hundred bucks or if you had a flannel graph. I won five hundred bucks in your face. It's fine. Wow, flannel I mean, graph that puppet puppet ministry. We should we should on one of these days we should have um, we should have um, the Reverend David Taylor who is um, one of the chaplains at my school. We should have him as a guest on this show. He's he has all of that kind of stuff in his background. I never I never flipped the lid. I, he knows members of the power team. If you do the puppet, if you did the puppet team, you know what flipping the lid is? I, that's one of the reasons I won. Never did it. When people talk with a puppet, you tend to move your top fingers so the top part of their head's going up and but down and call it flipping the lid. It's just mm. the thumb that's supposed to move. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I wish I could recount my Jim summer camp there. experience, uh, but we'd need like another hour. <laughs> Because I had an epic, epic summer once when I went to like a real summer camp in Indiana called Camp Culver. Con- conveniently, this is something that none of us were in attendance with. So mm-hmm. he can tell us it was epic. Epic. I mean, I can, I, I can find the letters <laughs> that I sent my mom. <laughs> He's going to talk all about like he his, can find, his buddy Donkey Lips. He can find the, Nick. <laughs> he can find so the fictional off- letters, he, the fictional letters he sent home telling his parents how epic his camp week was. Well, in reality, I mean, it was still epic, but I was still the homesick kid. And so most of those letters were like, I want to go home. You're still sending the letters home. I'm going to say right now, and just to be honest, and I know we we probably need more time to to go into this, but I'm a little freaked out by the revival thing. A little bit. What freaks you out about it? A little uncomfortable because it does feel very manipulative to me. It feels like you're creating a very intense, like manufacturing a very intense Emotional experience for very emotionally uh, sensitive people. Okay, so yes. I I went to a very very Baptist Bible college for right. a brief period of time. Okay, um, seminary Bible college. So I was actually kind of trained in like how to be a Baptist preacher for a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I'm going to tell you a little little secret. All right, so if you've ever been to a Baptist church, you know how at the end of the service a lot of times the pastor will have the altar call they'll play just as i am or something like that um right. or i surrender all and they'll and they'll and they'll have you everyone bow your heads and close your eyes and mm-hmm. the pastor will get up and he'll talk about jesus and talk about making you know commitments and he'll he'll lead you through the prayer and he'll ask everybody you know if you prayed that prayer please you know show your hands you know they'll ask people to raise their hands you guys ever heard that yeah 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 of course yeah okay okay so you got the people to raise their hands i was taught most of the time you see no hands you just say i see that hand I see that hand can I, because it might encourage somebody who might not otherwise raise their hand to raise I, their hand. Can I touch back on a running theme so, through our show that we've teased you about a few times? Calvinism? No. Rob <laughs> Bell wrote that in Velvet Elvis. Did he really? <laughs> yes, he did. It's been so long since I've read Rob that book. Bell. He already wrote it. Um, yeah. No, I would totally agree with you, JP, that that is a fear. I think it should be a fear. It should be a concern 
But at the same time, there is a way to appropriately do it, is what I mean. Um, I don't have a problem with the the idea of sharing and growing together. So mm-hmm. having them come up and share something and like prank well, yeah, 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 of course, of course. Um, and an actual like the altar call, like now's your time to come up and accept and get saved. Um, a lot of times, I think that that's a a problem i don't want to say all the time i think there's people who've had legitimate great life-changing experiences i would but, love to um, give this on salvation by the way but i would I but i would uh i'd love to but i would say that um i mean i, I literally i wrote there's a whole chapter on it in my book i'm not just i've read the chapter i'm not just referring to my book to be like hey i wrote a book in this case it's literally the chapter in my book yeah. um the the chapter is called turn and burn or love and learn Mm-hmm. And uh, the concept is the idea of scaring people to get a response from them and to get a, um, a salvation decision because of the emotional response to what's being said and how a lot of times I think that's why we see repetitive nature of going back to do it over and over and mm-hmm. over again. Right. Um, oh, yeah, totally. You want to feel the spiritual high. Right, because it's, it's about that. And- so I would say, JP, I think that your fear is 100% legitimate. And I would say most of the time it's probably accurate. Um, but I would say my, my example I would give is um, actually Night of Joy. Mm-hmm. When we went to Night of Joy. and uh, Which is Disney's Christian yeah, concert, Disney's by the Christian way. Concert We've talked night. about it on the podcast. Um, I know, but people may have not listened to that episode. And, <laughs> Come on. and third day got up in front of the crowd and they were like, we're not going to do a concert. We want to just do a worship experience with you tonight. And it's like 1.30 in the morning. No, that's what I'm th- That's what I'm saying. Like, that would be my response. But in this situation, that turned out to be amazing in the middle of Disney that night. So I would say it was a manufactured experience, but I think that they were legitimate in the moment of what they were trying to accomplish. Does that make any sense? I mean, I wasn't there, so I can't really wait. Like, if you, if, you, if you put any kind of a retreat or a camp together, it's going to be manufactured. You're setting it up to elicit something. But I don't think that that part of it in and of itself is the problem. I think what you do with it is the problem. So See, I don't think getting kids to to get excited and grow closer together is a problem. I do think giving a false sense of I'm closer to God simply because I experienced that can be what? the problem instead of taking anything away from the experience. Does that make sense? I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like as Christians, our job is to offer things. And so like, we offer testimonies. We offer, you know, our worship. We offer these things. And if people want to come along with it, that's great. Um, the idea of trying to elicit commitment from people is that they've been really well, that's, concerned. That's what me I mean. Eliciting, but that's what I mean is I think any time you're trying to elicit commitment is the problem. I don't think yeah, okay. trying. I don't think trying to create an experience is a problem. It's what you're doing with the experience. Gotcha. That's gotcha. what I mean. So if you're trying to elicit some kind of life commitment out of it, I think that that's. It's manipulative. It's it can be yeah. it can yeah. be greatly well, misused. Well, sometimes think, sometimes it can result in a kid going home and taking a hammer to all the things he cares about because he was guilted into thinking they're evil. Yeah, which we've talked about that before, right? Which is what I did, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you've done that. I've. I don't know if I've ever done that. That's then, and that's that's ultimately what I'm talking about, Matt. Like, I think that that is. What I mean by a manufactured emotional mm-hmm. moment where it's like it kind of impairs your own judgment. 
I'm not talking about like, well, yeah, concerts manufacture emotion. Right. Sure. But when I say manufacture, I mean like with the intent of like a, a certain result. Yes, and and that's what I think. If you're an intent, to make you susceptible to something, yes, I think if your intent is to elicit any form of commitment, then it's it's manipulative. I think if your intent is to show how, like, we'll take a concert for example, but think of summer camp as the same idea. Um, a concert, your intent is to show how your music unites. And if you can get the audience to join in in the music, then for that short amount of time, you show them that they they can experience this together. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I think summer camp, that's what I always loved about Teen Leadership Conference, is their intent was to show you that you're not alone. When, when you walk out of here, the people that you're here with are the same ones that are going to be there with you. So their intent was for you to focus on that feeling of, I do have support, and then to take that, hopefully, and take the relationships that you built and go home and use that to to explore what does that actually mean, but you have people there built in to help. Um, if the intent is to gain some form of commitment, I think that that's, that's, a, that's a very different territory to discuss because it's... it's, it's um, it's not necessarily true. And I think that there's people who've had very, they personally have very real experiences from something that was intended that way. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah I think absolutely. That that intent, I think that that intent bothers me um, to try and like... To force it. Yeah, to try and force some kind of eye-opening experience. I have a problem with that. But I don't have a problem with showing teenage kids... That you can be open and honest, and if you are open and honest, you can actually build relationships that can encourage and help you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends on the intent, is what I would say. Um, but 99% of the time, especially back in the day when camps were like the rage, I would agree with you that most of them were... It was kind of scary how easy it was to to think that what happened mattered more than it did. Does that make sense? To mm-hmm. come back and have some kind of false idea of, like, I'm a better human being because I went there um, for a week and then came home and ignored it completely. Like you said, you said first day of school and you threw it all out the window. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, yeah. He put his belt around his neck and mouthed off to his teacher. So. I mean, that was later <laughs> in the year. But, yeah, no, but um, well, it was like Donald Miller. Donald Miller tells a story in, um, I think it's Blue Like, Blue like Jazz, um, tells a story about how after summer camps and stuff, like after the, the, the church camps, he would come to school and a buddy of his one time like came to his house or whatever with two cases of beer and was like, you need to pound these so you can get over the initial guilt for the first two weeks of school or whatever. Because it was like such a common thing um, to feel that way. Because again, it's, it's and I guess that's the thing, the point you're making, JP, is like, it's meant to be repeatable. It's not meant to be... Like, a commitment would be, like, all right, we're going to make a commitment, and it lasts. And so, like, the idea would be you don't come back to this now. Yeah. But the desire is for folks to keep coming to this thing, and so it's not meant to be repeated. But but I, but I it's also that – but I'm with you, though, also, is that this is a, the danger of an emotional manipulation piece. And I, I'm trying and to subtly suggest the idea of brainwashing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and that's t- – I think you're right. <laughs> Can I tell you there's a statement I heard, not at Teen Leadership Conference, gladly, because I actually have fond – I have fond memories of Teen Leadership Conference. Um, 
but other retreats I went on and in actually a church I visited, also, again, glad to say not my own, um, there was not only an altar call, but there was a statement that for a short period of my life I kept hearing come up during these altar calls where they would tell everybody, you know, put your heads down and just repeat after me, and they pray a prayer, and then they say, if you just prayed that, prayed that, raise your hand, and they do the whole, I see your hand, I see your hand. Then they tell everybody to look up, and then after all that, they would be like, now if you just prayed that, I want you to stand up and come up front. And the thing that I heard that made me so angry is if you're not willing to stand up here in front of all these people here to support you, then you'll never stand up out there. <laughs> I feel like I've heard that at like every single series I've ever been to. <laughs> I'm like, what? In the, yeah. What is? I mean, you want to talk about manipulation? Like, re- first of all, why'd you tell me to close my eyes so people could raise their hand? If you're going to tell people to stand up, and if right. they don't stand up, they're wimpy and well, it's the yeah. power of guilt. I mean, it's the power of it, guilt and all this stuff. You know, what's funny is we're, we're we're this is totally off topic, but I think you you mentioned Chuck, we should have an episode about salvation. That'd be that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, and this kind of leans more towards that. I've been watching this show called uh, Making a Murderer on Netflix, which is a great documentary series about uh, it's a true crime documentary series. And one of the subjects they go over is how basically the police were able to get a confession out of an innocent kid. Yeah, and I kind of feel like it, watching their tactics and doing because it it's all it's all on film. Like you see the entire process, it almost kind of reminds me of the altar call. You're yeah, getting I mean, people to confess to things. I mean, there's a reason why the word testimony is used in both cases, right? And and you know, no joke. I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna do the thing that, you, that that happened to you, Matt. That the the they came up with the word biblically abrasive. I want to come up with a new one. How about spiritual coercion? Yeah, in in within radical orthodoxy in their reading of Saint Augustine of Hippo. <laughs> Well, Matt's really angry. <laughs> and, they're, and they're reading of St. Augustine of Hippo. Phones. They talk about how Augustine mentioned that um, Christians are supposed to persuade, not coerce. Here, here you go, JP. You ready for this? Yeah. Um, many times it feels as if there's an attempt to scare people back to God. It's as though we can coerce them back to him through the threat of eternal damnation. I would suggest that this may be the very reason why so many make a decision not to accept Jesus. This may explain why so often we see someone accept Jesus, in quotes, only to turn from him and live a life that is completely opposite of what God wants for them. Maybe Jesus isn't who they were introduced to in the first place. And on that note, enjoy your school year, kids. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, this episode so. took a turn, huh? <laughs> yeah, you had to ask that question. Right, at, We're going to close out, but first I have one more question that will lead to 45 <laughs> minutes of... Um, but yeah, you said coercion, and that made me think of my book. This is a great book. Fix Me, Love Them. Find it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on a uh, link at every I'll do. I'll do an audio book reading one day for a podcast. That would be actually <laughs> That'd be <really> fun. awesome. <laughs> That'd be fun. We'll all do one. I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna go home and like highlight different sections I want us all to read. <laughs> um, cool, but yes. So we should be persuading, not coercing. And yes. to me, it should speak the the beauty of the gospel of Jesus and and the reason why you should commit to the gospel of Jesus Christ should speak for itself. It should be something we should have to force to make happen. And so that was one of the things that always that, that increasingly began to concern me in my life. Um, through this time period was how much of it was about trying to, you know, hold me down and convince me that this is a thing I have to do rather than just letting it speak for itself. Right. Um, and, um, yeah. So, okay. Great. Well, that is 
all the time we have. I want to thank my co-hosts, Father Chuck and Matt. Wait, are we going to have an altar call? Should we have an altar call <laughs> right here on the show? I want everyone to just bow their heads right now. I want you to repeat after me. You better repeat after me. Every single word. <laughs> good journey. <laughs> uh, good journey, yes. You are your own person. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Join us next week. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> That's the truth, guys. We actually never know what we're talking about I next know. week. I don't. I, I'm just. I'm running out of out of out of. Join shtick. us next week, um, where um, we talk about how the fact that scientists have discovered a form of cockroach milk that they say is edible to humans and may be super nutritious for us. I'm gonna vomit. It's, it'll turn you into a lizard person. It'll happen. Oh my gosh, roaches. <laughs> Earth. The earth is hollow. The inner the, the inner sky. David Icke, listen to him. <laughs> he knows things. <laughs> Thank you, goodbye, and Roaches. good journey. Good journey. Roaches. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens, 